We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, November the 26th, 2019. On today's show, former Gamecocks ball player Alex McGrath joins me to break down the bye week, South Carolina against Clemson, his favorite memories from the rivalry. We also preview the game, including what the Gamecocks offensive philosophy should be on Saturday's game, defensive game plan, and what the Gamecocks have to do to pull another massive upset on Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit, however, they specialize in land financing. They've been doing it for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland, farm and pasture land, even home mortgages, and construction. They've got a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate financing for 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year is what they call patronage. So they're cooperative. So they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So for example, guys, on a $300,000 loan at 6.5% for 20 years, you would get back $2,770 each year. They've also got an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance it. Guys, when you're making a life decision like this, whether it be buying land, getting a mortgage, you know, any big life decision you make in life, you want to make sure you have the right company, the right lender on your side and the right people in your corner. I know me personally, someone that's thinking about buying land, that's thinking about getting a house, getting a mortgage. You want to feel comfortable about it. You want to be confident when you're making that decision. Ag South Farm Credit is going to be that lender that is going to take care of you in the long run. I had somebody asked me, they actually found a track they want to buy for hunting because uh, you can obviously buy hunting land. They found a track they want to buy for hunting. What are the current interest rates? Obviously, we all want to know about interest rates. How much am I going to be paying in interest? So, Ag South Farm Credit, they get this question a lot, and it's hard to give a clear answer with so many variables. So, their rates are competitive with other lenders, but rates do change daily. How long you term it out, tied with your current financial situation, also makes a difference. So, with just a quick conversation, guys, they can get you a ballpark quote, but keep in mind, it could change, obviously, based on the day and further analysis of your financials. So, guys, if you want to talk rates, if you have any questions, give them a call, 844-AG-SOUTH, or go to their website, agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. That's A-G-S-O-U-T-H-F-C dot com slash T-S-U-S. Ag South is an equal housing lender, NMLS, 619-788. So again, that's agsouthfc.com slash T-S-U-S. Or give those guys a call, 844-AG-SOUTH. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends 
over at my bookie. Guys, during Thanksgiving week, this week, my bookie's offering a risk-free play on the Bears Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra spending money. You got extra Black Friday Monday, Cyber Monday, uh, Christmas money, whatever it may be. You got extra money in your pocket. If you lose, Guess what? Congrats to you as well. My bookie is going to give you all of your money back, guys. It is a no-brainer. You literally can't lose. It is no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Guys, have you ever found yourself wanting to bet on sports, but you just have a lot of questions? You don't know where to get started. You don't even know how to open an account. Maybe you just don't even know how to bet on sports, what the lines mean, what does over-under mean. Don't sweat it. My bookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag. And make your first deposit with promo code GAMECOX. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And guys, that is on top of the risk-free bet. So my bookie doing a ton for us this week for Thanksgiving. Let me repeat one more time. That is a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Guys, make sure to do your part and support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get on the action with my bookie. And guys, remember with my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get into it. I'm Chris Phillips from Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Joining me as he does each and every single week, Alex McGrath. Alex played for South Carolina from 2005 to 2008. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, my man. Very excited. We're going to chat a little bit about the bye week. Obviously, dive into South Carolina Clemson. It is rivalry week, but first off, how's everything going, man? How was your bye week? It was excellent. It was excellent. I saw way too many videos of baby sharks, but other than that, it was excellent. <laughs> I got to relax on the couch, not think about. <laughs> no, I didn't have any like nervous anxiety before game kicks and like, oh God, what's going to happen this week? Uh, just, you know, got to sit around and enjoy some football. No doubt. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same. It was nice to not be anxious and depressed and, yeah, all the feelings <laughs> and emotions, whirlwind of emotions. That, come with, that come with Gamecock football in 2019. But uh, let's dive right into it because I, I was talking to you a little bit off air, Alex, that this is kind of a unique set up in this sense and I don't remember the last time South Carolina got a bye week before the Clemson game but obviously just the way the schedule sets up you get two bye weeks this year which South Carolina and Clemson both on a bye week this past week and obviously I think the Gamecocks desperately needed it with some guys being banged up and just the way the season's been going I think a week to collect themselves and get ready you know is was more than necessary but I just want to ask you as a former player somebody who's been in the locker room obviously we're not we don't know exactly what they're doing you know right now in the building today but when a team is on a bye week, and what would you imagine this team over the bye week, what, what's the main focus for a team when you're getting ready for a game, especially when you have a bye week before, you know, a big-time top-five matchup? Are you most focused on working on the fundamentals, getting yourself prepared, getting yourself ready, or are you spending that entire time game prepping for Clemson? Because, again, I think it's a little bit of a different scenario in this one where, you know, early in the season, you know, coaches talk about we're working on the fundamentals, we're working on us, we're working on South Carolina, but – when you got one game left, and you know it's for all the marbles, you're not going to a bowl game, 
I feel like the focus and the awareness has to be at like a heightened level going into this one and during the bye week this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I can't I, – I mean, I don't know what they do during the week at this point. You know, when we had bye weeks um, under Coach Spurrier, basically we'd come in Monday. We wouldn't focus at all on the upcoming opponents. It was really just, you know, watching film from earlier games in the season. We would go out, run, you know, ones against ones, twos against twos. That first day, uh, none of it – or I don't believe any of it was full pads under Coach Spurrier. So, you know, we were really just kind of working on our own fundamentals and game planning. And I think the most important thing that we did during that week was really try to rest as much as possible the guys that, you know, had been playing all season. So you got a lot of the younger guys get a lot of snaps. And then, you know, kind of once – the next week rolls around really when you start prepping for the upcoming opponent. I mean, the coaches are obviously going through and watching film and trying to pick up everything. So you get an extra week of doing that there. But as far as like the players were concerned, you know, we'd go out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, have like a half practice on Thursday, and then you'd have the weekend off. So, you know, it was really just the time to kind of relax, you know, get back to focus on yourself um, and just, try to get especially for the guys that are going to you know be playing the majority of the snaps in the upcoming game it's just a chance to get them to rest their legs how, how much we do definitely you, need yeah I was going to say how much do you feel like a bye week can help this team because obviously again we know the mountain you have to climb we understand you know the spread came out Clemson's a 26 point favorite we all understand the task at hand and the challenge that will be not just winning but keeping this game close but I mean how much realistically do you think a bye week could help this team I mean, it, it could be tremendously helpful. Um, just just because you know, it's it's a week it's a weekend that you know Holinsky's not taking shots, or you know your defensive linemen aren't getting kneecapped for three and a half hours, and it's just a, a chance to let your kind of body heal up a little bit before you go and take on this next opponent. Now, you know, not having Brian Edwards. Or is he officially announced out, or is it just a maybe at this I point? I think he's doubtful, but from everything I'm hearing and seeing, I, I think there's probably like a 95% chance he does not play. So, I, you know, obviously we're recording this on Monday. I, I would imagine Tuesday at Will Muschamp's presser. I will be very surprised if he does not update Brian Edwards as being out, but at best case, he is doubtful. So we're just going to assume he's out on Saturday. I mean, we're, we're in kind of a unique position here with where this bye week is, and given that we don't have – anything on the other side of this game next right. Saturday just because you know we've got several guys that are in that position like Brian Edwards is where you know you've got an NFL career on the other side of this horizon mm -hmm. yeah. so you know I'm, I'm morbidly curious to see if there are any other scratches at this point certainly I hope there's not but mm -hmm. you know just kind of a unique position for us to be in here yeah, I mean, that's kind of the position. Like, that's how college football is going now. I mean, we saw with Debo sitting out the bowl game last year, which, again, I don't yeah. think – you know, I don't think anyone really held it against him, but, like, that is just college football now. It's not something you would have even really fathomed, I would say, probably 10 years ago. I just don't think that's something that we really saw a lot. But let's dive into it, Alex. Talking Carolina Clemson, uh, obviously, you know, the, the rivalry week, the rivalry, it holds a very special place for all of us, especially someone like you that wore the garnet and black. I want to ask you about – obviously, again, you were there from 2005, 2008. Uh, you were able to beat those guys once at their place uh, in Clemson 2006. We all remember the Jad Dean missed field goal. 
a great game, really. I mean, a comeback win. One of the more fun, one of the more fun memories I think a lot of Gamecock fans have from the Carolina Clemson rivalry. But I know we talked about it before. Your first time coming on the show, but just kind of reflect on that. The memories you have from that game and from going up there to Death Valley and beating Clemson. That was just awesome. It was just uh, it, you know getting to beat somebody on their, especially a rival on their home turf. Um, you know, it's a, it's a priceless experience. And, I, you know, obviously, you know, one of the more frequent questions I got from, you know, friends, uh, you know, guys I'd grown up with just getting to play on the road in the SEC. Everybody always asks, you know, where's the loudest place you've ever had the opportunity to play in. And that same season um, we had lost to Florida mm-hmm. on the uh, blocked extra or excuse me, blocked uh, field goal there as time expired and, you know, that was unbelievably deafening in that stadium at that point. Um, but, I, you know, when C.J. Spiller early in that 2006 game had like an 80-yard touchdown run, mm-hmm. and that was truthfully the only place I've ever been in where the stadium shook. Like you could feel like the ground underneath you, mm-hmm. like kind of moving back and forth. Um, so, that, I mean, that, just thinking through like all those things that kind of transpired in that game. So, you know, being down 14, we come back you know, we get that last field goal through to go up two, I believe. Yep. Shout, um, shout out Ryan Suckup. That was a bomb. I remember that, too. That was That's a very <laughs> yeah, underrated kick kicking. in that game. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, and then they come, you know, right back down the field and um, Jad Dean just shanked one. And then, you know, to get to celebrate with my friends and family out on the field because, you know, they, they let everybody out on the field after the game's over. So, you know, every, like my family's out there, all my buddies and friends are out there just carrying on and having a great time. And, then the, you know, obviously the feelings of exuberance on the bus mm-hmm. ride back, going back to Columbia were awesome. It was just basically turned into a giant party on these buses. And, you know, you get back to williams Bryce to get everybody dropped off. And there's probably 1,500 people in the parking lot waiting for us to get back. And that was just, that was just a truly special day that I'll never forget that. Yeah. I think I saw the picture on your Instagram. I think it was your Instagram of you. And I think it was maybe your girlfriend or sister or whoever it was. Oh, it was my sister. Yeah. Whoever you, yeah. I was going to say whoever you were with uh, standing on the field after that game. I know it's funny. They have the meet me at the Paul tradition. It's like, it's funny when it backfires and we're able to, we're able to go out there and meet on the Paul. It's, it's, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I've never been to a Carolina Clemson game at Clemson where we won. And I, I've been like, I've always had this dream in my head of going there and being able to like just stand in the middle and recreate the Steve Tannehill picture. But, uh, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to get the opportunity, but hopefully at some point I will. Um, now before we dive into the <laughs> hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes, exactly. So before we dive into this actual game, now I want to ask you now, again, you're an alumni, you're a guy again that played for South Carolina, beat those guys on the road. Today, though, what, what does the rivalry mean to you? Again, being someone that played for South Carolina, I'm sure it has to have like a different dynamic because, again, I mean, I hate Clemson. South Carolina fans hate Clemson. Clemson fans hate South Carolina. But for someone that has been in the trenches and, you know, has actually played in the rivalry, does it have a different feeling for you? Because it's funny, I've talked to a lot of guys that they hate Clemson, but it's like a mutual respect on both sides. And obviously the fans take it to a different level. But I mean, what does the South Carolina Clemson rivalry mean to you today as someone that actually took place in those battles on the field? It, it's tough today, given where I live up in Greenville, because it's mm. basically. Clemson. Oh yeah. You're, you're right in the middle. So of it. <laughs> I'm just, 
I'm surrounded by car flags and those hideous orange, bright orange pullovers. And, and all this Probably the stuff. tiger so tails too, which is just like a perfect staple for them. It's everywhere. It's just everywhere. <laughs> and, and and that probably makes it, I, I would tell you this, like if I lived in like Chicago or Dallas or something like that, I probably wouldn't care as much just because it's not in your face, but with it just be kind of being in my face all the time, just given where I live, it's, it's tougher, especially given the success they've experienced over the last five or six years. So, you know, that, that, that adds a different element to it for sure. But I mean, it's just, it's the general stuff, just kind of playful ribbing. Nobody really goes over the line or it goes, you know, way too hard in the paint to insult people or try to get into their skin or anything like that. So, you know, from just like where it is, as like a former player. It's, you know, it was fun when, you know, we looked unbeatable against them, but that tide has quickly turned on us here. Um, it, it's, it's just, you know, you hope going into it, you know, especially given the season that we've had, that you just hope you can go into it and be competitive and show some kind of promise that you're going to come out on the other end of this right. to kind of take it to the next level. Just because, you know, we're just in completely different places as a program. You know, if we were both, you know, trying to get to eight wins every year, you know, and we've got like a, like a more competitive space. Right. I mean, sort of how, uh, sort of how, you know, those, the last couple of the five game winning streak for Carolina was where, I mean, both teams were double digit wins. I mean, those were like top 15 matchups, which was obviously great for the rivalry on a national scale. I mean, it just, it brought more exposure to the game and those are primetime matchups and, you know, or, you know, like you said now, or, or like, or like the early to mid to even later 2000s where both programs were floating around the six, seven, eight win, you know, they were hovering around that sort of place in the program. But no, no, yeah, so I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, just kind of being on the same playing level, I think what you're saying, it, it makes a difference. It does. I mean, really looking at it, we haven't had a competitive game with Clemson since 2000 nine really right yeah I mean 2015 was the closest and I mean it was close granted we score a late touchdown to make it a closer game than it really was I think we scored like four seconds left but uh right no yeah it's crazy all the other ones were blowouts pretty much it's been pretty I mean this decade has been very weird in regards to the to the Carolina Clemson game so let's let's dive into the game on Saturday Alex obviously you know this one Make of it what you will. Um, Clemson opens up as a 26-point favorite over and are set at 49.5 for those betters out there. But we obviously know about the huge spread in this game. And you talk about the season South Carolina's had and the season Clemson's had and where the two programs are at. They're just completely different places. I think we can all acknowledge that. Clemson fighting for the college football playoff. South Carolina's going to miss out on the bowl game. Um, what – because, you know, you know, it's funny, Alex. I had the same exact feelings as I do today going into Georgia week. I, I genuinely thought South Carolina had no chance to win the football game. The spread was right around the same number, 24 points or so, 24 and a half. But I'll ask you, you know, what should the goal be, you know, for – you know, I don't know if I want to say this USC team because the goal should always be to win the football game. Like, there shouldn't be – there should be no moral victories in a game like this. But, I mean – realistically you're talking about showing that promise for the future and showing some sort of progress like what should our goal be for this game what 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 do you think should be a reasonable goal for fans and heck maybe even for this team for this specific game um i mean obviously you know the goal of the team is to win so i mean that's what they're going to walk in there with but i think you've got to have some kind of a 
at least if, if you're looking at it from like an offensive perspective, you want to say, you know, we want to get to X number of yards. Maybe that's 400. You know, we want to rush for a hundred yards. We want to score, you know, try, you know, try to shoot for, we want to touch down a quarter or like little things like that and try to, you know, manage expectations and manage the size of the game and kind of your opponent and have these kind of little goals you've got in front of you. And it's, if you can put stuff like that together and start marking those things off, you can find yourself in a very competitive space with them, especially if you can, you know, convert on a lot of these things. I, you know, I think defensively it's, you know, we want to hold them under this number or we want to hold them under or hold them under this number of yards, or we want to hold them under this score to give ourselves an opportunity. So I think you can like set those kind of goals, but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if that's something they do. I don't mm. mean just from not being in there, you know, obviously the goal for everybody this week is to win um, kind of given the way the season's played out, you know, obviously that's not a likely outcome given the spread and kind of, you know, the trajectory of both seasons at this point, but I think if you can go in there and kind of set little goals like that, you could maybe inspire confidence or, you know, kind of push that team to a new level. And just like the old axiom, they always said the best way to eat an elephant's one bite at a time. So if you can break down a huge task like that into achievable subplots, I think that can be helpful to the team. I just, I, I wish I knew how they were putting it together. Right, right. No, I think uh, as fans, you definitely have to temper your expectations just a little bit because, again, I mean, is it possible? Anything's possible. I mean, again, I didn't think South Carolina could go into Athens and get the win, but they did. Um, no. But realistically, I mean, this Clemson team to me is different than Georgia. It's, it's a different animal you're taking on when you're facing Clemson. Um, even with it being at williams Bryce, So, uh, let's just talk about offensive philosophy. You know, you were talking about offense. You know, it's funny, Alex. I saw something on social media, and I was like, I, this may not even be a bad idea. But someone basically someone basically threw out the idea of the Gamecocks should just play the carry-on joiner, run the ball basically every single play out of the read option, and try to burn as much clock as possible and basically just play keep away from Clemson. Obviously, that's not what's going to happen. We know Ryan Holinsky is going to play. And I'm not saying bench Ryan Holinsky or anything like that. But – at this point, that almost doesn't seem like a bad idea. Like, I, I just think you have to, like you said, you have to be able to run the football and keep Clemson's offense off field because they're going to score. Like, they have weapons all over the field. Again, this is not like playing Georgia where, you know, Jake Fromm's throwing to a depleted wide receiver core and you can just kind of stack the box, play the run, and it's over. Like, this is a lot different of an offense you're facing. They have so many more weapons on the outside. Trevor Lawrence, one of the best in college football. But – for South Carolina specifically, offensively, I mean, Clemson's loaded on defense. What would be the game plan if you were the OC going in this game? And, I mean, this is, you know, listen, this is a huge game for Brian McClendon and really Will Muschamp, but just that entire offensive staff because it's pretty much been made up in most people's minds that his fate is sealed. I mean, Brian McClendon's fate is sealed. I mean, nobody needs a better game more than Brian McClendon does, like that, that offensive staff. They, don't, they need a, a good game more than anyone. I mean, what would be your offensive philosophy going in this game? Are you relying on the run? Are you trying to throw it off the field? Because South Carolina did have success doing that a year ago. Granted, you don't have Debo Samuel anymore. Brian Edwards is probably out. So you're not exactly working with a with a, the same deck of cards here. But, I mean, what, what would be your offensive philosophy? Are you trying to run it, throw it? What are you thinking? Um, so if we're, if we're going to take the stance that Ryan's going to play, 
my goal would be to try to attack them as ver- vertically as much mm-hmm. as possible because that's how North Carolina had success. Right. Was throwing the ball kind of down the field. And look, you know, I know we've, when you look at somebody like Ortre Smith or Chavis Dawkins or, you know, whoever's going to come. Oh, God. Xavier Leggett. Um, yeah, Shy Smith. Who's the, who's the other? Shy Smith. And then there was another big recruit we got in this year. Uh, Kevin Mullins. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, Key Mullins. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, throw them out there. See what they can do. Like, if you can attack them vertically, those are all big guys. Mm-hmm. Like, throw it down the field. Get them in seams. Give them jump balls. Give them something to go get. And, you know, if you can hit a couple shots like that, you're going to find yourself in the game. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you in trying to play keep away with Dak Joyner and run the read option. I don't think that's a bad idea either. Um but if, if I'm Brian McClendon, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to – if I can get out there and score a bunch of points and throw the ball down the field and show some kind of, like, promise of what this could be, you know, that's, that's what I would try to do. I mean, it's going to invite all kinds of questions, like, why on earth weren't you doing this week one? But <laughs> Right. Well, it is, it is kind of – it I mean, kind of plays into the – last year. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it just kind of plays into the whole thing of, like, I mean, I've been saying it every week, I feel like, but you really have nothing to lose. Like, if you don't – if you're not aggressive this week, I mean, Brian McClendon, you deserve everything coming to you if you're not aggressive this week. You really do. I mean, you have nothing to lose. You're you're a 26-point underdog. Like, I don't care if you throw it deep every play. Like, at this point, like like you're saying, I mean, you you got to go downfield. <laughs> you're not going to win with these little fi- – you know – if you go with the same offensive game plan you had against Texas A&M and App State, you won't score a point. I just – I really don't think you score a point on Saturday. I mean, you, you like you said, you saw that. I mean, Clemson, if they have one weakness, it's the secondary. I mean, a guy like Shai Smith needs to have the game of his life. He needs to have a Debo-esque type game that Debo had last year. I think he had like 200 receiving yards or something. I mean, that, it's going to take something like that. But, no, I, I definitely agree with you that, again, the, the keep away thing sounds great, and I, I guess it's more so – Less bad can happen if you do that, but less good can happen too. I mean, you're just like you're saying. I mean, I, you've got to take shots down the field with Ryan Holinsky, and you know, hopefully, he's as healthy as he's been since Charleston Southern with that week off. And you think if he is, there's no excuse not to sling it around and go down the field and you know stuff like that. So I mean, we'll see. But like, like yeah, I said, and, and Brian McClendon. Like, I mean, the way I would, go ahead. I was gonna say, the way I would look at it is like they're gonna they're probably gonna score every time they touch the ball, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, right? So you've got to have some way to match that. And playing keep away, you're going to keep them off the field. But, you know, they, I mean, every single receiver they have is 6'4 right. and can yeah. jump out of the I mean, they're NFL so they're guys. Throw, I mean, this, is, this is the yeah, best receiving core South Carolina's seen since Alabama by, by far. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, except all their guys are a foot taller than all the Alabama guys. And now, <laughs> exactly. like, all they're going to do is throw back shoulder fades and they're going to throw jump balls over the middle. They're going to throw posts. Like, they're going to go down the field. So, right. your best chance of success is, you know, creating turnovers on – if you can find yourself in a position to confuse Lawrence and pick one of those off, and then you've got to, like, take the exact same strategy back to them. Right. Like, playing keep away. You're not going to – I'll put it to you like this. We're not going to win this game 20-17 to 17 like we beat Georgia. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's going to score. There's no doubt. Uh, yeah. Moving, that kind of brings me to the other side of the ball. You talk about the Georgia game, just the defensive game plan for this one, Alex. I mean, because I, I kind of, again, I go back and forth similar to how I just talked about an offense. Like, do you kind of go all out and just engage eight every play? I mean, are you bringing everybody and putting your, your, your defensive backs on an island? Because, I mean, again, you know, 
This is not Georgia's receiving core. Like, you're not going to win one-on-one all day long. There's just no chance. I don't see a guy – you know, I don't see a guy like Israel McQuamu having three interceptions on Saturday. I just don't. Um, so, I mean, do you – are you playing that aggressive on defense and just kind of rolling the dice and saying, hey, hopefully we can get to Trevor Lawrence? And Because he, he hasn't been – I mean, he's been – much better of late, but he had a very rocky start at the beginning of this year and, you know, threw a lot of interceptions and maybe he's a guy you can get to and rattle, whatever. Or are you playing it more, hey, we're going to drop eight, play three up front, you know, maybe we'll mix in some blitzes every now and then, but a lot more of a conservative approach, just hoping to be like a bend but don't break type of defense. I mean, is there really a correct answer here? Because like you said, I don't know how South Carolina is going to be able to stop this Clemson offense. Oh, there's, there's absolutely a correct answer here, and it's you engage eight. <laughs> like, the, I, feel, I mean, that's how North Carolina kept it close. They hit right. him. Yeah. That's all you can do. Like, you've got to trust that McQuamu and J.C. Horn are going to be able to stay with those guys for three seconds. Yeah. I mean, you want to be the guy. You have, you have the opportunity now. Speaking to the defensive backs and especially McQuamu and Horn, it's like you want to be that guy. Here you go. I mean, here's your opportunity. I mean, you know. I mean, because we've talked about all of this, and it's so you got like you got to get pressure on Lawrence, and you got to hit him, you got to make him uncomfortable, and then we haven't even talked about Etienne yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so, you know, I mean, yeah, one of the no, best running backs in the country for sure. Yeah. So no, dropping eight guys and rushing three will lose by sixty. Right. Like, cause he'll just stand back there and throw into open windows in the zone. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, like, yeah every I, time, every time I've watched Clemson play, like they run. Like it's not an RPO, but it looks like an RPO where they uh, dive fake the halfback, and then somehow, like seven times a game, whoever their outside receiver is is running like a shallow post route, and he is there's nobody within six yards of him, and I have no idea why. You know, eight weeks into the season, nobody would attempt to defend that, <laughs> but like playing man is gonna like make that a more difficult throw. So right. that's <laughs> make him uncomfortable. Like is your yeah. only chance. Yeah, now I I tend to side with you. You, you, you again. This is this game. You just got to be aggressive. I mean, like I said, throw everything out the window. Throw the kitchen sink at him. Run trick plays. We have nothing to lose here. I mean, I want to say similar to how you did Georgia, but again, that game had such a different dynamic because we basically just held on for dear life the entire second half and pulled that game out. But yeah, you got to be aggressive here. Let's talk about that a little bit, Alex. Because again, I, I you know been bringing up the Georgia game a couple times because I think a lot of South Carolina fans, Alex, going into this week are sort of clinging to that Georgia game as well. You know, we've done it once. Why can't we do it again against Clemson? Um, and that was – I mean, we talked about it. I still, to this day, don't know how South Carolina won that football game. I just don't. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I just mm-hmm. don't know how they pulled off that massive upset. This one will be bigger. Like, in my opinion, this one would no doubt be bigger. But we have seen the Gamecocks, give them credit, go on the road, pull off a massive upset in a game they were three-plus touchdown underdog in. If – a big, fat if – if they're going to do it again, somehow, some way, in your opinion, what are the things that have to happen? If it's one thing, if it's a couple of things, what has to happen for the, the big upset to happen on Saturday? You have to get pressure on Lawrence near constantly, and you've got to attack vertically. Like, we're not going to win trying to establish the run. You know, this is not a, this is not a three yards in a cloud of dust team, it, mm. you know, because we just can't control it like that. And then you, you've got to attack them vertically. You've got to hit a couple. You know, if you can hit a couple like we did last year, you know, where you just catch them, Debo runs by somebody or Shy Smith runs by somebody and you hit him and you get a quick seven, 
And now all of a sudden you can get the stadium into it and you can get some pressure on Lawrence just bringing blitzers the entire time and, you know, trying to play man as best you can on the outside and hold on for dear life and hope he makes a mistake. I think that's how you do it. Is it fair for me to say, like, personally on my level, I think the only way this game is close and South Carolina has a cha- even a slight chance to pull the upset, I'm thinking you've got to be plus three in the turnover margin. Like, I, like you're yeah. talking about constantly get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, which I would assume equals maybe some batted balls, maybe some interceptions, like whatever it may be. Like, you're, you're going to – I mean, you, that's like – to me, that's like your only chance is you – because, I mean, you think the 2015, that's why that game was close. I mean – South Carolina's defense was actually able to force some turnovers and just changes the whole momentum of the game. You know what I mean? So I, I really do believe, again, I would say probably plus three or greater, you, you've got to be in the turnover margin. Like, that's, that's just what has to happen. I mean, if it's, it's, if, if it's even, even if it's 0-0, zero, zero, you have no chance. You're going to have to force turnovers in this game. Yeah, I think I think it's that, and I think you can't let Etienne run for over a hundred yards. Right. Like if they if you can do both of if they can throw it and run it, you're hosed. Oh, if yeah. you can keep if you can keep them one dimensional and make them try to throw those crossing patterns, and you can get pressure on him, and you can play quality man back there, you'll get those turnovers because you'll get a tip ball, yeah. you'll get somebody jumping around. One of those things will happen. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking like, what was the recipe for success at Georgia? And again, it's a completely different animal. And you, you know, like I said, I don't, like you said, I don't think the game. You're not going to win twenty to seventeen, but I mean, why did South Carolina win that football game? Israel McClellan had three picks, and one of them went for a touchdown. I mean, that that is just the reality. Yep. If you don't have that, even if you don't have that pick six, you don't win. So I mean, you know, right. having defensive scores, like weird things happen in special teams, like. That's really, to me, the only chance South Carolina has to even keep this one close or, you know, God forbid, win the football game. Um, obviously, I'm going to give my score prediction later in the week, Alex, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, what do you simply put, I mean, what do you see happening on Saturday? We've been talking about it the entire show, but, I mean, realistically, how do you see this one playing out uh, at Williams-Brice on Saturday? Uh, you, you asked me this before we got on, and I didn't have a good answer for you then. I'm not sure I have a good answer for you now. Um, I think back to – and this is what we were talking about beforehand, but, you know, when Georgia, Florida, when they were building the stadium in Jacksonville, they did a home-and-home, and when Coach Furrier went into Athens, they scored as, like, time expired to get to 50. And they did that because nobody had ever hung 50 on Georgia in Athens. And so he had this kind of going into it where, like, we're going to try to score 50 on these guys just because we can. And, you know, the most points that have ever been scored in this rivalry is 63. And that happened in 2003. And I think realistically, given the talent on Clemson's team, I think this is kind of a name-your-own-number offense for them right now against us, especially kind of where our season's been and just kind of watching everybody – play the last three weeks mm. you know I hope that's not the case you know I don't think at least he's never shown like Dabo or Dabo's never like at least shown that he's going to go in there and try to put 70 on somebody so I don't think that's going to happen could but I don't think it's going to happen um, but I would probably say it's somewhere that's like 56 7 mm. similar to somewhere 2016 then, the exact score the exact score from 2016 then yeah, I, I think it would be somewhere in that general. Yeah, so, I mean, it's that it's fair. Listen, it, they're a 26-point favorite. So, there are no wrong predictions here this week. I mean, if you want to be a Gamecock and say they're going to win 31-28, by all means, I love the optimism. But 
<clears throat> very fair prediction. Again, I will have my prediction later in the week on Friday, though, which uh, I'm still going back and forth on it. But, uh, no, a fair prediction. I mean, it really is. Like you said, just how the seasons have gone, you're talking about two different playing levels. I mean, that's, that's really just kind of realistically what you're on. And uh, it's like we talked about off the air, Alex. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. If, if Clemson breaks the scoring record – I will must champ will not have a job Monday. I, I just I don't say that. So, I mean, I mean, you can so, you can so say Bob Caslin. You you can say Bob Caslin retracted his comments, and but I just I, I I don't see it. I just if they score seventy, I just I will assume doing my Monday show that he is not employed anymore. I mean, that's I won't even have to look at the I won't have to look at Twitter. I won't have to look at the news. Anything. It's just okay. We're just going to talk about the coaching search because he don't have a job. Anymore, so. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, what a what a weird week that's been for him. I I don't like how do you let like that eight Ray Tanner was talking to Florida State about how they handled the buyout and be like, Oh, I misinterpreted the question. Like, what? Yeah, we, we didn't we didn't even touch on that because it's funny, a lot happened since I talked to you last week, Alex. So what's really quickly before I let you go, just kinda get your take. I mean, what's the What's your overall thought process on exactly what has happened with the administration? Because I am one, I think me and you probably believe same. I think it definitely happened. Ray Tanner asked about the buyout. Like, I don't think that's something that did not happen. But, uh, I mean, I guess what's your take, again, as someone that's an alumni on how the South Carolina administration has handled it? Because I know a lot of Gamecock fans are upset with Bob Castlin. They're upset with just how the administration has gone about this. And I'll agree, it's, it's not a great look. But what, just what's your overall take on the way the bye week went? Because, again, it, it didn't feel like a bye week. There was a lot to talk about last week. No, it was certainly more exciting than it should have been. Um, you know, just it's it like based on those comments, and I know he's retracted everything, but he's clearly not happy with the way this is going, given that we're in year four. So I think it's readily apparent that they are at least trying to rally support behind a plan on how they're going to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that keeps getting leaked to different media members, um, but, or, 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 or he just decided to tell a newspaper about that in an interview, <laughs> which is even more bizarre. Right. But it, 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 like behind the scenes, it does not seem like it's all cherries and roses. So, I mean, it, it goes back to kind of my feeling on the thing, you know, I thought, you know, as soon as, you know, we missed a bowl game and it's, you know, our best hope at this point is to go five and seven in year four. I thought that was curtains on this entire experiment anyway. And then you start to see this kind of stuff leak out, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's definitely what's going on behind the scenes. They're trying to figure out how to work this number down and how does Florida State deal with this. And, you know, you've got – then, of course, you've got road board members going out and seeing if they can rope Brad Edwards into coming <laughs> back as the athletic director. And, you know, it, who knows how much support that does or doesn't have behind the scenes, but it's clear those conversations are occurring. All right. Um, yeah, there's, so, lot, there's so many stories within the story within the story with this. It, there's so many layers to it, I should say. Just crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I, I've been, you know, not to like go off on a tangent here. I've just been shocked how like how outspoken and how public everything has been. Like, I mean, even me, like I'm, you know, it's a little bit different. I'm a guy that does a podcast. I'm not on the board of trustees. So I'm going to say my feelings and opinions very vocally and loudly, but like you're on the board of trustees. Like you have to have kind of a feel like – you know, you, you have to have a feel what's going on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's definitely division. Again, like like we just talked about, I know that they've, you know, put out a statement and everybody seems to be on the same page now, but I definitely think there's some division at the top. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, again, 
I talked about before, the App State game was a worse loss on paper. But like I said, if Clemson scores 70, it will not we're, – we're not going to go just go into next week like, oh, ho-hum, the season's over. We'll try again next year. Like, there's going to be some stuff happen. There will be more statements that come out. I think there has to be because it's really just – you know, you go back to 2016 and, you know, we lose 56-7. to 7. And it's like you're here in 2019 in year four and, like, we have the exact same prediction right. for yeah. – what yeah, happened I mean, in this you, you game? Gotta, so you like, got to pass year one. You got to pass for sure. Yeah. Maybe even year two, you got to pass. But yeah, year four, you're predicting the same score. Like you said, it's just that's hard you to stomach. Have some kind of progress, like, and that's just it's not there. Yeah, I mean, I so I, I made the I argument before before the Georgia win. I mean, Will Muschamp's best signs of progress for the USC program were losses to Alabama and losses to Clemson by like 20 points, 21 <laughs> points. I mean, that that's the point you're at. Now you have Georgia, yeah. thankfully, to hang your hat on, but that's realistically where you are. So, Alex, appreciate you taking the time, as always. Looking forward to next week when we recap everything and kind of close the book on the 2019 season. But uh, really appreciate you taking the time, as always, my man. No, no, no. This has been really fun. I, I, I appreciate the invite to come on and do this with you once a week. I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. So for Alex McGrath, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.